0: Welcome to the C Word, the Conservatives Podcast. Today we're talking about working from home. I'm Jenna Mathiasen, an objects conservator based in South Yorkshire.
1: And I'm Chloe Romsey, an objects conservator based in Greater Manchester. Welcome back, everyone. Hello, Season 7.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. That's weird.
1: It's so nice. I have to say, I didn't think that Season 7 we'd be apart. No, there is that. I just thought this would be business as usual,
0: but in actual fact, we're in wildly different locations. <laughs> um, and it's a bit weird because it, it just means it that is. I'm staring at a phone with like <laughs> with like a thumbnail of Chloe's face on it because we can't <laughs> use video because that chews up too much bandwidth. Um, so it's, it's a bit of a strange, strange time. But yeah, so uh, it, it's kind of apt that then we have decided to do a working from home special.
1: Oh, it's really poetic. And I've got my setup here. So I'm in my partner's office and it, he works from home normally, which I'll talk about later. But it's in an attic space and there isn't even that much art on the walls, which is unusual for the rest of the house. So I've got a giant floor cushion stacked on the desk in front of me and like various blankets around <laughs> to try and re- <laughs> remove the echo. But there's only so much I can do. So <laughs>
0: That's true, but it's, it's a great effort. And I'll share a picture of what it looks like because it's amazing. <laughs> By the way, this is what we kind of ask guests to do anyway, if they can't join us in in what's usually the studio, then we do ask them to kind of, you know, adapt their space a bit like this. So it's just better sound quality that way and stuff like that. So yeah, it is one of those crazy fun things that you kind of like making a little making a little den for yourself yeah oh yeah yeah a huge thank you to everyone who has helped us transcribe our episodes we're doing really well on that and we're gonna start thank you actually at the point where this is released we, we will have popped up uh, a couple of these transcripts on our website we have a new faq and we've got like a resource list and like yeah there are some there's some new stuff on the website that's the Show. if anyone fancies having a look
1: um Jenny's been knocking it out the court, basically, is what he's saying. Hey, thanks. But it's not just me, it's also <laughs> the volunteers. <laughs> okay, I meant website specific. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And thank you, volunteers. You've okay. all been amazing. You absolutely have,
0: and we're very, very grateful. You've been amazing. So that means that we can now be a little bit more accessible so the people who uh can't necessarily listen to the show can still enjoy the content. And yeah, it's been fantastic. So yeah, thanks so much for helping. That's been great. Yeah. Uh, That's probably all the, like, podcast news, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So this is our work from home special.
1: Uh, I have one piece of news that we've probably most of us actually heard of already but it's kind of apt for this it's not a lockdown special what we're recording obviously it's a work from home special but the news at the moment is the pandemic and this is the one of the big heritage stories from this um so thieves have stolen the five million pound parsonage garden from the singer Laren museum i'm probably pronouncing that wrongly sorry uh, yeah this is this is the uh, van Gogh isn't it
0: yeah 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 that, I, I saw that and i shared it with some of my colleagues and uh first of all the consensus was oh bummer and then also but it's not even a nice one <laughs> which is harsh it's just one of his it's not more the point it's it's yeah, <laughs> not really the point uh, it's not um it's not one of the i wouldn't say it's one of the more famous ones but it is certainly still that, yeah still one of his art pieces so you know that's that's kind of a big deal and yeah i was on loan as well so yeah that sucks <sighs> But yeah, um, also I have seen people basically pleading on Twitter that please, please don't tell people about your security yeah.
1: measures at this time.
0: <laughs> like you may want to be a little bit careful.
1: It hadn't even occurred to me that, I mean, that's maybe that's really naive of me, it hadn't occurred to me that bloody criminals would
0: <laughs> take this opportunity. Yeah, her- heritage crime is, yeah, heritage crime is a problem. And obviously right now there are just less people around, so, you know, less risk. Yeah, um, yeah, so true. So, you know, it's... That's not a great thing, but there will always be people who take the piss in times of need.
1: Back off! This is—we've got enough going on right now to, to have to worry about whether our things are safe. Thank yeah. you very much.
0: Yeah, crazy, isn't it? But yeah, that's a good point. That that has been a heritage-related news story recently.
1: Oh. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So that's the that's the thing that jumped to mind. Yeah, yeah. No, that's uh, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I think
0: on that, I think we'll just stay away from the news. For a Let's just
1: stay away from that. Yeah. Just I'm just
0: switching that off. Yeah how are we I mean we're both working from home so like how are you settling into this Chloe like how, how are you finding this
1: well had we recorded this a week ago my answer would be very different interesting okay well I've just been put on furlough leave oh really yeah which is a very can, can you can you explain what that means
0: I've heard it a lot <laughs> but I also don't understand it
1: not really uh, <laughs> so it's essentially i will get up a definition because essentially what it is is the government will pay the institution 80 percent of the workers pay to make up for the fact that the worker can't raise money or do the normal job in the normal way that they do okay so it's it's job retention kind of it's job retention, yeah, yeah okay. but I'm just going to get up a Leave of absence, especially that granted to a member of the services or a missionary. Huh. Um, <laughs> that was the automatic. Thanks, Safari, for that. Um, so it's temporary leave of employees due to the special needs of a company or employer, which may be due to economic conditions at the specific employer or the economy as a whole. Tick. Tick. I don't know if that makes... I mean, it's a it's a sort of governmenty and economicsy type thing, so it's not in my area of expertise. Um, All I know is that I'm not allowed to work, and this has happened, I've heard this, quite a few people now, uh, particularly in heritage, have been put on furlough leave because so much of what we do relies on the places that we're going to and the things Mm. that we're actually physically Mm. seeing. So it's good that there's government support for that, and this is obviously a very specific... (laughs) This is a very specific pandemic issue as well. Yeah. So it's not, this isn't a normal work from home situation. No, no, that that's true. That's true. It isn't. But it is kind of, um, it's kind of confronting me with quite a bit of sort of self-discipline type issues, I think. Okay. More so than when I was working from home. So I will backtrack slightly. Two weeks, over two weeks ago, my museum was told, shut, please, everyone should go home. So it's been a bit weird for me, and I can't remember how much I said in the previous episode when we did, uh, in the special episode, the coronavirus special. We mostly didn't go into it because we wanted to save it for this episode. Yeah, it was difficult for me because my main work at this point of time... obviously it comes and goes doesn't it with things that we do laptop or computer based things we do collections based things we do conservation based so it was irritating for me because my actual really important thing that i was working on was a deadline for well yesterday it was this last gone friday um it's sunday today so I had three weeks of my project left to go. I wanted to, I needed to finish it before the uh, end of the financial year. And that's what I was working on. So it was for me very much, I've got to think of something to do at home because I, you know...
0: Yeah, I I can see that being a very... A a kind of different thing, yeah. Yeah. And this has come up from listeners uh, in particular because I I have been trying to put questions on social media and stuff about how people are doing and like just kind of checking in with people. Like, how's the conservation community doing? And uh, I think, number one, after childcare is a nightmare and homeschooling is is not helping right now is that the fact that the lack of access to the collections and the lack of hands-on work has been the big frustration Um, Mm. so yeah fair enough really
1: (laughs) yeah um I think there's there is plenty of stuff to do but it's so first I'll go into what I have been doing um we've I've been turning a lot of hard copy so at analog, a lot of files of collections information, object information into a spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. That's a project that I started a couple of years ago when we found that we were having problems because we've the way we've been recording one specific area of the collection has been to aid. um, It was started in the early 90s, essentially. So essentially before there was easy access to um, large databases and stuff. So that has been continued because it's a really practical, physical way of leafing through essentially a specific aspects of the collection that's used every year, used very, very regularly. So though that's very useful, we did find that it was becoming problematic at point of acquisition or point of, um, say, programming and object use, that people just weren't able to quickly search the collection. They'd they'd look at the folder and go, oh, I like that object, you know, by the photograph of it and the bit of, of object information. I'd like that, please. And we'd have to go, sorry, sorry. This one is not in the right... We cannot achieve this level of conservation in the time, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I've been doing is turning the information, the condition information and object information and history and stuff into a big spreadsheet. That's ongoing and it is something that I can be doing. But at the moment, I've been really sprinting through it and there's, oh, it's yeah. not gonna. it wouldn't have lasted me had I not gone on furlough. It wouldn't have lasted me beyond a week, I don't think. I've done some video editing, um... There's some server tidying bits and pieces, that kind of thing. Like
0: digital housekeeping.
1: Digital housekeeping, yeah. There's some health and safety stuff, there's policy writing stuff. But as I'm not the manager of the studio that I work for, mm. a lot of that stuff is the the sort of role of the manager and she was doing that already. Yeah, um and yeah. she's now on furlough leave as well because she'd done most of that stuff anyway. So Yeah, yeah. Um so the This was all fine. And I'm very impressed with how they turned it around, essentially how IT managed to turn it up, how to get everyone working from home, essentially around from everyone working in an office. So we used um, remote viewer as an app. It's something that you download to your computer and it can access. And I think though we were working away at the time, um, I think it's also something that's downloaded onto your the computer you want to view mm-hmm. and then it's essentially a way to for you to control your oh. computer from a remote distance. Okay interesting. Which is great except on Mac it's really buggy and I've got a Mac laptop and it was <laughs> closing itself every like 20 minutes or something. It, oh. So that was a bit of a struggle to be honest but it doesn't matter now because I'm on furlough leave.
0: Oh well I mean that sounds like it's it's kind of it's kind of worked out then. So you were you're filling your days with other activities right now, basically.
1: Yeah, and I, I before um, when I was doing my actual job, I didn't find it quite so difficult to. I didn't find discipline quite so difficult because I was okay. interested in the the digitization projects that I was doing, and I knew I had a goal. I set. I was more. I found it more easy to set my own goals, and I knew that I'd work the work hours, and then mm. I'd go and off and do some sewing in the evening, and then some cooking. And it was like I'd. Tr- I really tried to keep. This is something we'll probably talk about. I really tried to keep the same kind of schedule as I had when I was commuting into the office, into the lab. Yeah, yeah. And that really worked for me. I did find the proximity of my sofa quite difficult. <laughs> and I did have to move my workspace from the dining room to Tom's office because the radiator doesn't work in the dining oh, room and yeah. I found myself getting really cold and then that's oh I might go and get myself under an electric blanket on the sofa and then suddenly <laughs> you're on the sofa and yeah though you're checking emails you've got a bad back and oh. yeah <laughs> <laughs> but when I moved as soon as I moved upstairs I was totally fine
0: <laughs> oh well, I'm glad to hear it um I suppose for me it's been um so I've only been doing this for a week at this point and right. um, for me that's been four days because I, I'm only part-time I suppose at the time of actually releasing this episode I will probably have a really different view on this but at the point of recording things that I've found challenging include online meetings I really don't like online meetings as a chance oh, man. I, I hate group <laughs> calls <laughs> um, it's it's a shambles at the best of times um, boy, people are trying. Uh, I'm not really enjoying it. Uh, Icon actually put out a a nice little guidance, kind of a guidance document, I suppose, about how to get the most out of online meetings. That's quite good. I'll pop a link to that in the show notes. Um, But yeah, it's, um, depending on other people's internet connections and stuff, it can be kind of actually painful. And (laughs) I'm not hugely a fan. I do appreciate that, that they are a way of keeping in touch with people. And actually, that's really important. And I think it is important to kind of feel like you're still part of a team. I absolutely agree with that. But they are kind of the bane of my existence, especially when people are like, let's do a morning meeting. Oh, f- mornings. Um, which brings me to another thing of like, I'm not a big fan of sticking to the going into work routine, by which I mean. Right. I'm not a morning person at all. If I could change my entire life to be about 11 to 7 rather than 9 to 5, that would be ideal. And uh, oh, you'd, th- you'd okay. think now would be the time to try that. However, that doesn't stop people from putting in 9 o'clock meetings. Um, so actually, I can't. And that I think that's been a source of frustration for me at the moment. I've also not really set up a good home working environment yet because i'm i was kind of trying it out in the kitchen because that's the most convenient place to convert to a place where i can work because the 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 kind of home office in the house belongs to my other half fox because he does work from home all the time so he doesn't need that space um so it's been a case of right where's where can i set up the living room is out because it's it's a very open space and it's not suitable for that. And also the sofa would actually kill my back. Yeah. So it's between the kitchen where there is a kitchen table and the craft room slash spare bedroom slash storage space where um, there there is also a table um, that I can use. But actually getting that to a state where I can use it, I haven't been able to muster the strength yet. So that's my project for tomorrow. Fair enough. <laughs> that's my project for tomorrow is just trying to tidy that up to a state where I can not be distracted by anything fun in the room and just get work done. That's going to be a challenge. <laughs> that means putting everything into cupboards that I basically put a lock on. But So I've been trying being in the kitchen. The kitchen's kind of cold. I have absolutely mm. no back support at all because we don't really... We have one office chair and that one is in use. So I don't have a chair. I have various kinds of stools, but they are not great for back support. So the ergonomics of this entire uh, ordeal is interesting. And I think if I... This would be a very different situation if it was a case of, oh, I'm going to set up a home office, I have time to get into this. But in actual fact, this was more about you're working from home now and nothing can be provided for you. So it's kind of a, a, it's a rockier challenge than... I think it would be if I was like setting up my own home office because I was going to be self-employed or like that would be a very different journey. Uh, this is uh, slightly bumpier.
1: It has been quite sudden, hasn't it? And I think maybe people, that's a, a factor that normal home working wouldn't encounter quite so much perhaps. And I think though you say you've got a working office upstairs where Fox works, that's more of a, that is quite a workshop, isn't it? It, it is, yeah, it's his work. So I'm quite lucky that Tom, Tom's office is an office and he's sort of so used to the working from home kind of daily working hours because he does call-ins and stuff mm, yeah yeah and i suppose fox so he does work from home in the same way he keeps to his own schedule doesn't he Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because he's, Um, he doesn't, he is his own company rather than a company with other people. Yes,
0: yes, exactly. So he's completely self-employed, which is a really different kind of dynamic from what this is. And I think he's very amused by watching me struggle with this because he's like, can't you just tell people (laughs) to not have morning meetings? No, that's not really how it works. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I can tell people to f off, but I don't think they they'll appreciate that for very long.
1: No, it's quite early days to start <laughs> like that. <isn't> it? Yeah, <laughs> early days, but yeah. yeah. So it's 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 been
0: an uh, been an interesting mix because the first day I was so productive, I was having the best time. It was like oh, well done. It was very weird because I made like a neat little list. I had no interruptions. It was glorious, and then gradually it just kind of became worse. Uh, after that, mm. where I, I started getting distracted by things or social anxiety crept in in some way or like, like little things just niggle away. So these are things that in like the coming weeks, I'm just going to like try to improve on. So it's going to be like a gradual thing. And I think the important thing about a situation like this where you're having to work from home without really any preparation is that you are allowed to not be peak performance day one and you are allowed to change things and basically figure out what works for you like I think that's like that's the only homework that matters right now is figuring out what works for you and that it's completely okay to not be okay and it's completely okay to have days when you're like actually you know what that did not work at all Let's not do that again tomorrow. We're going to do this differently, and like you, kind of problem solving yourself. And conservatives are great problem solvers.
1: That's something I've been thinking about a lot as well recently. Obviously, the internet is a very varied place, and you get some people who say, "Use this lockdown as a opportunity." Blah blah blah. If you learn languages, do all these amazing things, you don't have to do that. Yeah, <laughs> That's you okay. really don't have to. <laughs> even if this was a even in a normal working from home situation it's a process of development isn't it it's especially for conservators because this is not how we normally work there may well be freelancers who are sitting there going I'm fine thank you very much I've been working <laughs> yes, from home yes I, I will say that I have actually talked to some of you who are like why are people being such pussies about this
0: <laughs> and I completely understand you as well I also fully realise that this this entire uh, working from home situation is a real challenge for people who are extroverts, for example. And I think this is a thing that Christina usually reminds us of. Hi, Christina. Um, Hi, is Christina. Is that not all conservatives are introverts just because that's kind of the stereotype? And yeah, that's also a very good point that there are plenty of extroverts uh, amongst us who, you know, like really thrive on the social engagement that they get at work. And the fact that they can't get that now in the same way is a really hard time. Um, so it's it's a differently hard time for for everyone but I am immensely glad that we're all trying to make the best of it as well there's been a great amount of sharing online for example which I really really enjoy
1: so what is it that you're working on day to day because I think that's something that I've been struggling to kind of conceptualize in myself like I know what Tom Tom does fancy things on computers with code and things and (laughs) as I've never had a desk job, I don't actually have any concept of what one could do day to day. So what is it that you're working on at the moment? Okay,
0: well, I mean, interesting and good point. And this is also a question that I've had from people I normally work with or alongside, I should probably say. So basically, on the day that we kind of closed up the museum, and I put everything to bed, uh, people were like, what on earth are you going to do now? And I was like, well, I actually have plenty to do. And the things that I do now is yay paperwork. And (laughs) I say, no, I say yay paperwork with uh, actually a genuine feeling of joy because I feel like paperwork is something that I neglect, not on purpose, but because there's always something going on and there's never enough time built in to anything mm. for me to finish my documentation properly or yeah. or tidy the database. We had a, <gasps> we, we got a new database recently and oh my god the fact that we've uh, imported all of the conservation records and actually just object records uh, from an old system that was hobbled together and used over 20 years by so many people means that the data is not tidy and it's kind of terrible to work with in the new system. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to tidy that up and make it more usable. So before you couldn't search for red objects because there was no way of telling the database that an object was red. As we're now, you can actually do that, but you do need to supply the data for that. So sometimes it might be that someone's mentioned that an object is red in a different bit of the database, for example. So now you can just put that into the correct field so that that is searchable for example. So for what that means for the conservation side is there's actually like a conservation database. So that has things like what kind of condition things are in or what kind of treatments things should, that um, are suggested for things and all that stuff. But it means that I've got like 20 years of people's <laughs> attempts to <laughs> identify problems or treatment methods or conditions. So there's a very entertaining array of um, range of things that people have said about objects and sometimes it's like fair but broken or fair but (laughs) fallen off and it's like "Mm,
1: really I think how (laughs) is that what
0: you know uh, it's so there's like a lot of that stuff going on where I can Mm. finally get my get my head down and like work that out because kind of in 10 years time I don't want someone to come and go this is an unusable mess now is my time So I'm doing loads of paperwork of that nature and also typing up old records that have been handwritten by volunteers and that never got put onto the database, for example, because they were helping me clean something or they were helping a previous conservator clean something. Mm -hmm. And because volunteers in our organization don't have computer access because we can't give them that because of various risk assessments and stuff, that means that that stuff remains on paper and that's no good when you're trying to look for something. So it's all that kind of stuff where it's basically loads of data entry, tidying up data. Uh, writing reports. I'm really looking forward to writing my annual environmental monitoring report and telling people about all Such all the things. Geek. I know all the things <laughs> that we should improve. Um, and uh, the IPM reports and like all that stuff. Where it's just like things that I need to sit down and dedicate some time to, but that's usually really hard to do when there's things that are deemed to be more important, like the next exhibition come coming up, that loan going back, or that conservation that a client needs doing so
1: um, all of
0: those things always trump doing the paperwork and now is the time to do the other bits and i'm kind of thrilled by that although i i find that people think that it's a bit like oh that's busy work so i feel like now is the time to kind of communicate to people that these are actually really important bits of your job as well (laughs) just because they don't normally get done doesn't mean that that's the way it should be like it shouldn't take a pandemic for me to have to do my paperwork um the world shouldn't have to stop its international tracks. global crisis yes. <laughs> that shouldn't be what it takes for me to be able to do my paperwork it's it's a time to kind of reflect uh on priorities and all that stuff but also it's a time to say it's okay to do these bits they are actually an important part of my job and yeah it's not the shiniest bit of my job but it's something that is worth doing. And we all know the documentation is an ab- absolute lifesaver because we all lament when nobody's written anything <laughs> down about what the <laughs> they used on that thing three years ago when there was a different staff member. We all, we all do that. So now is the time to make sure that no one says that about you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. No one wants to be the name on the database that people look at um, at the bottom of a, of a report and go, oh, as this person again (laughs) exactly
0: right so (laughs) so I'm kind of relishing doing that bit and I think that will easily have me entertained for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks oh
1: perfect Um, that's fine
0: then yeah so I'm thrilled and I think people worry unnecessarily that I will get bored and it's just like no i'm such a nerd (laughs) this is gonna be great good luck prying me away from it at the end so yeah i'm i'm kind of happy about that i'm also drinking an insane amount of coffee because i have a
1: coffee maker at home yeah i didn't realize how much tea i would drink if i had any excuse to drink oh i fancy stretching my legs i'll have a cup of tea how many cups of coffee have you had today cups
0: it's more like pints But yeah, no, so I'm, I'm actually quite happy with the tasks I've got. It's just I need to figure out a better way of doing them or like getting in the right headspace. So I've kind of been trying to look into like work from home tips and stuff like that. been reading a lot of these like kind of articles about like getting set up at home and that sort of thing. Just to kind of get a feel for what people are recommending. I, I am enjoying that pretty much every article I come across uh, starts with the words, get dressed. <laughs> <laughs> And I mean, I'm a great fan of being in my pajamas, but I have to say I have I've taken I've taken this opportunity to work from home in a completely different direction and by that I mean like I am in my dressing gown probably longer than I normally would be however after that I glam at the oh that's yeah I wear the dresses and the skirts that I can't wear to work because I'll always be unexpectedly up a ladder or some shit like that (laughs) and at this point that's not happening so I am using all the leggings and tights and stockings and dresses and skirts and I'm having the best life oh that's so good All the shoes I cannot wear for work, they're coming out now. It's great.
1: So, I'm uh, so jealous. I'm in tracky bottoms all the time. I mean, that's fine. I am today. And like several pairs of thick socks. Uh, I am today.
0: Today I am pretty much like a uh, bra-less McGee. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> today I'm slumming it a bit. But today is a Sunday, so I'm kind of okay with that. But on like on like the work
1: days, I'm like, yeah, get.
0: <laughs> that's genius. I'm a really big fan of uh, dress-up. I think dress up Friday
1: i think it's dress up friday yeah
0: yeah i've I've been enjoying that i will be joining in i just took this as an as an excuse to just kind of do things that i i can't i can't otherwise do like
1: have have nail varnish on i've got fancy nails as well yeah. <laughs> i think maybe that's something that's quite common for conservatives yeah well, I, have
0: I have seen have... i have seen loads of conservatives post pictures of themselves going i'm not working with chemicals and it's like yep <laughs> i feel you yep. yeah so get dressed is like high on the list and it's like okay tick take freaking breaks tick. Mine are all about making coffee or getting getting some sensation back in my buttocks because I'm sitting on <laughs> all of these wooden stools that are like not made for comfort or back support. Like ergonomically this is a disaster. Another one is dedicate some space or pack away your things at the end of the day. That's one that I need to work on, but we've already established that and I think it is a good idea. Tracking your time is another good one. And we've talked about this before, but using toggle is my absolute go-to thing because that's what I use anyway when I'm at work. Have regular check-ins with people. I think that's a good one as well. So that's what we're trying to do with online meetings, which I hate, but... um, (laughs) you can do them in other ways and uh, with my line manager we sometimes just do like a little whatsapp call or even just like a couple of a couple of messages just to go how are you doing that sort of thing you know as long as you can keep in touch with the people you work with that's that's a good one also make sure that you do talk to people so even if it's not your preferred method it would be a good idea to. Just ring someone. It can be a friend. It doesn't have to be a colleague. But just like make sure that you are getting some human contact. I mean, maybe you ha- you have a family of eleven and you don't really, 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 really. <laughs> don't need to talk to anyone else i don't know i don't know your situation but you know take care of yourselves
1: <laughs> i've been doing um video chats with my um manager and it's always really good because we chat about the things we chat about things we normally do and things occur to you whilst you're having conversations it might not occur to you whilst you're writing an email for example yeah yeah. Um, but exactly. they nearly always start with it they, they usually go hi how? oh god my hair how are you doing <laughs>
0: <laughs> um you could try having some like music for like concentrating more, focusing more. Uh, you're not going to annoy anyone else unless you're massively annoying your housemates. Then oh, you can have headphones as well. Uh, so if music helps you concentrate, that could be a great thing to do now because it's probably not going to bother anyone else.
1: Yeah, I, I, I've been uh, sitting with Tom upstairs and luckily we have very similar tastes in music. So blowing out some Nils Fram and nice, nice calming, calming zone type music. That sounds very good
0: something that I've noticed come up on a lot of these lists is meal prep just to keep like food intake regular and minimum hassle I don't know how Mm. how, how do you feel about that do you prefer to like kind of go and cook something like just like it's lunch now I will cook something from scratch or is it more of a I like to have something prepared so it's nice and easy and quick. Or
1: I'm not a big fan of cooking at the best of times, I have to be honest. So I would rather have like a bread-based lunch or a leftovers-based lunch.
0: But yeah, so I think those are the kinds of like recommendations I've been seeing in a kind of a general They're sense. great
1: general advice. Yeah, really, really good. I've seen on the ICON website, ICON Institute for Conservation UK um, Professional Body, Peret Squires has written 15 ideas for concerned at home, which is so lovely because it's really, really specific. For example, number one is write up projects as articles for publication and abstracts for conference presentations to submit in the future. Which is actually one of the things that I had on my list for something that uh, testing that I haven't been able to physically do, but mm. I've sort of done most of the precursor of the project, so the setup and the the okay, testing nice. design and stuff like that. So that's something that I was going to do. She's also said learn a new craft for example needle felting because you can use that in conservation um, for taxidermy areas for example yeah. mm-hmm. that's another great idea i was thinking of doing like before i realized i had nothing that i wanted to waste by breaking it and no specific adhesives <laughs> i was going to like break a glass and repair it because i've not really done much glass and ceramics for example yeah, yeah, yeah. let's carry on make videos and write blogs uh, make podcasts who does that Tick. This oh, this is a good one. Number seven, review and update policies, caution risk assessments um, in line with current legislation. Because we do them
0: every two years and they're coming up this summer, so it's kind of perfect.
1: Yeah, exactly. And stuff changes all the time. Practices change all the time. Staff members change all the time and stuff. What else have we got here? Create and update CB, CPD records. Uh, CPD is something I'd really like to talk about in a minute, actually. <laughs> I love number 14 as well. Conserve your home. Aww. Mend those things at home that you never got round to and I think I like this list not just because it's very specific but also because it's quite it's quite sensitive to CPD and it's quite kind of sensitive to the fact that we are really practical people Mm. and that it it might not actually be that we can do a lot of our day-to-day life at home because we're not we don't have access to it but that doesn't mean that we can't be practical it doesn't mean we can't learn stuff and take stuff from this situation yeah so thanks Perrette yeah, thank you. So I, the way I'm on furlough leave at the moment, something that I was that was on my list to do either in work time or not was focus on some CPD. And that is basically because I realised that I've been graduated now for seven years. Jesus. And it's been quite a long time since I really f- did some proper formalised learning. And I know that sounds dreadful because we're always encouraged to keep abreast with the conservation community, read articles, which I do, go to conferences, which I do, do the research that you need to do for your day-to-day life, for example, which I do. But day-to-day conservation life, I should say, obviously you're not like reading about your washing machine or (laughs) the plants (laughs) that you're (laughs) you're, uh, planting. Um, But I realised that I've not sort of, Though I've bought books for things that I do need to learn about, I'll use the example of modern printing methods. My job does have a lot of modern printed like leaflets and posters and stuff like that. So knowing about mm. um like surface coatings and printing methods and all of that is really important, but I've not had a project that requires me to do that research specifically. Yeah. So I've just not I've just, just not ever got round to it. So basically, when I came home with all the stuff I needed to work on, I've just bought home loads of those books as well. So I intend to do myself like information sheets, posters and stuff like that, do that research. I want to um, revise the plastics training that I did a year ago, because some people retain information. But for me, information just kind of leaks out of my ears, it feels like. You you need to kind of use it and... I need to use it and yeah. it needs to be something that I kind of constantly revise and I'm dyslexic as well so the kind of research and reading though it's been on my list to you know we've even said let's have research days and stuff it's just so difficult for me to get around to because it's yeah, yeah. it just takes quite a lot out of me to do it so yeah that kind of thing and again as Perrette suggested writing articles or or abstracts of things that you've been working on or projects that you always thought that would be great to write up yeah doing stuff like that
0: yeah it is a really good time for CPD like that so yeah you know that that is good
1: Ooh, and um i just wrote an article from the c word for the news in conservation magazine um and that was an article of the portfolios episode that we did uh, a couple of seasons ago and that really got me thinking about my portfolio and even though Mm. i'm not actually applying to jobs or anything i'm going to work on my portfolio as well and have that as a good summary of the things that i've done so that's another thing i'll be working on So I've been thinking about social media, because so much of what we do, though it's very practical, is also about engagement and engaging with the community and advocacy in conservation. Mm. So people have been sharing what they've been doing in the past. And obviously, I found... What do you share if you're not in the lab? You can't take a photo of your desk every day and say yeah. I'm working at my desk again. But people have been looking through like the back photos of what they've been working on for the past yeah. few years and sharing that, which has been really great. Um, I've been really enjoying uh, Museum and Heritage Workers, which is IMWD2030 on Instagram, uh, with a hashtag um, Museum From Home, yeah. and they've been they've been really good with like little videos of conservators doing their thing and you've probably seen curators recreating their favourite paintings which I've really enjoyed as well Um, that's been really really nice to see I'm going to do a Frida Kahlo one at some point but um, I want to involve a cat and I don't know that she'll agree with me We'll see. I look forward to it. Twitter as well has been really great. Um and I just wanted to do a little shout out to Doctor Mariana oh god, I'm gonna I'm gonna garble your name here and I'm really sorry. Doctor Mariana di Gisamo. Gisamo? Okay she's done a day, day by day of working from home post on twitter relating to all aspects of conservation and she started the first one i saw was day three which is about cosmetic sponges and the oh, things yeah, that yeah, you can yeah. use yeah i shared it with you because yeah. i just we use them in my studio and i know other people do but i've not seen someone kind of publicly celebrating them so well and that was yeah. that was really really good um even if it wasn't for the lockdown it would be a great way of communicating what we do absolutely um and so i'll just give another couple of examples day 13 was about water and its role in deterioration um, <laughs> and day 11 described the agent of deterioration disassociation with the problem that we have of tupperware without a lid <laughs> How annoying it is during the day. And I just wanted to highlight that one as a really, actually genuinely good learning tool. That is some great science communication. That is fantastic. Yeah, I really liked it. And of course, Twitter is free. It's accessible to everyone. You can engage with it. You can contact them, blah, blah, blah. And there's lots of people doing stuff like that at the moment. And I know it passes the time for them as well. But it's, it's quite nice to see a sort of focus of learning information and I think we've said before on the podcast that we can be a bit shy to to share our knowledge and share our work and we're we're you know a bit worried about people disagreeing with us or judging us or that kind of thing but I think this opportunity when everyone's in the same boat everyone's working from home people have really sort of kind of stepped out of their shells a little bit yeah opened up a bit it's been
0: really nice yeah Yeah, that's a really good point. Speaking of opening up, we did ask people who uh, teach conservation degrees to kind of share with us some of their perspectives in in these times when basically the kind of practical side of the conservation degrees are kind of suspended, essentially. So we we kind of put a call out for if anyone kind of wanted to talk about their situation and how they're they're feeling that this is going to impact the students and what they're doing to mitigate it and all of that stuff. Uh, So
2: uh, we've got a couple of those clips now. My name is Abby Bainbridge and I'm an associate lecturer in the book conservation department at West Dean. And yeah, the short answer is we don't really have an answer yet about what's going to change with the program and how. Uh, We've decided to suspend in-person teaching for the rest of the academic year which means doing whatever teaching will be left online, but we haven't figured out how to adjust our program to fit that. It's obviously completely possible to do lectures, um, demonstrations, discussions remotely, tutorials, but the big problem for all the programs is going to be how to deliver the practical work components and what work to still require. And I'm also struggling with the idea of even keeping the written work to the same deadlines, some of which are coming up soon, because everyone's distracted, the students are distracted, as much as not being able to be in their normal workspaces and have access to the normal resources that they have. So West Dean is talking to the University of Sussex, who validates our programs, because any changes we need to make will have to be approved by them. And luckily we have a month-long spring break coming up and we had done all of our practical work assessments just before everything got shut down so in a way we have a bit of time to figure things out while people would have some downtime anyway in terms of support for the students Our students are a bit spread out now. Um, A lot of them have gone home. Uh, Many are international. There are some still left at college, I think, around 10. And they're all isolating basically as a family unit together. But yeah, now everyone's spread out in different time zones even. What we've done so far is set up a weekly video chat just to kind of check in on everyone and get together as a group. Uh, Not for anything academic yet, just kind of moral support. Uh, which I think the tutors need just as much as the students. I think we all really miss the normalcy of being together. It's a pretty close-knit community just because of the number of students and how much time they spend together. Yeah, we've decided to, basically, uh, this all happened in the last couple of weeks of term, but we had done our assessments already. So we do... Tutorials with the students after assessments just to talk through the grades, Um, and we've done that by video chat. But otherwise, we're kind of dropping the academic work for now and just providing kind of optional feedback, support, resources online for the people who do want to engage. But I think a lot of people are feeling pretty overwhelmed and not able to take in new information right now. After the spring break that was going to happen anyway, so end of April is when everyone comes back, usually. We would switch to whatever kind of distance learning we figure out between now and then. In a way, I think it's better that this happened at the end of the academic year, because it means they've had as much time as possible in the studio and with us and in their classes, so they're the most able to work independently. But it's also the term that we really emphasise more independent, practical work. So the graduates, the first-year students would be kind of moving towards working more independently. So rather than everyone trying this technique together or that technique together, it's more getting an object and figuring out what they think it needs and then executing that and just getting that practice. For the second-year students, who are almost finished, the MA students, they will be ramping up their MA research. So, you know, the academic part of that can continue, but a lot of those students will be doing scientific research or surveys or other things that require access to collections or equipment that just won't be possible now, um, or at least not right now. And then they're kind of taking on much more complicated projects for their portfolios, you know, things that would take longer or involve things we haven't necessarily taught in the program that they start figuring out for themselves and really building that confidence to leave and apply for the next thing, you know, an internship or a job. So it's hard to figure out the best way to give them those experiences at home.
3: Hello SeaWord listeners. So the lovely team at the SeaWord asked me to talk about what we're doing for conservation teaching at Cardiff University. And the first thing I'd like to say is this is all so very new and so very in progress, that these are just initial thoughts, um, coping strategies and first responses. I don't think any of us have all the answers. I know I certainly don't have all the answers and so you know I hope that people understand that this is not maybe the best thought through teaching strategy. Everything I've ever seen about online teaching and the move to online teaching you know suggests that we probably need about three years to do it properly. So to be doing it in a couple of days is uh, well is a difficult thing. So how are we tackling the teaching during the lockdown? Well We had some virtual learning platforms at the university, like Panopto, that's where they record lectures, so we can use that. And we've all had to learn how to use something called Blackboard Collaborate Ultra. I always think that the Ultra is that little bit extra. But anyway, this is where you can do a class with everyone online. We've done a few of those. I think that they're quite nice. The the main problem I think we find with those is that the people with, you know, difficult Wi-Fi find it hardest to join in and we've had to do quite a lot of adaptations in terms of making sure that we're talking on the notes bar and and things like that. I think as we've gone on we've all got a little bit better at doing it. I know in my care of collections class I celebrate whenever I manage to use a virtual whiteboard or a quiz thing and I suppose my first feelings about those things are that there are some opportunities there that we didn't used to have which are quite nice, certainly for the collection's care. We've been sharing videos we had, a re- we had an incredible class, which was meant to be a light survey at the National Museum of Wales. Luckily, some of the students had done the prerequisite, pre-planning light tour. And then one of the students was an absolute whiz at finding images of the galleries that we were <laughs> supposedly walking through. And we kind of mentally walked through. So it was okay, You know, it's not it's not what we want. It's not what we want to be doing in terms of exams. We don't have too many exams. Mostly we've moved away from that. So that's not been too big of a thing. Cardiff University has quite a complicated strategy. And one of my big challenges in this lockdown was I unfortunately, bad timing, took a job of Um, organizing, teaching and learning in the whole of my school. So I've had a a big task helping us to reorganize that. I won't go on about it too much, but it has kept me awake at night. But if for conservation it's not been too big of an issue we're mostly going to put some little bit more time into assessments and the one thing I've got to really do is, is look at the practical projects modules assessment guides and that's something I'm hoping to do in the next few days and give some more support we have tried to uh, we're making adjustments that are just like being human like you know if people have got a rubbish photo maybe they took it on their phone and they were planning to take a decent photo later that they're just going put the put whatever photo they've got in we are sourcing images if anyone has anything we're desperately doing helping each other find literature so if someone can't find something someone knows a place where it can be found we're doing as much of that as we can that sort of thing is you know going okay because we've kind of got a, a collaborative culture I'm, I'm sure all conservation courses do don't they um, a collaborative culture we had a you know, a conservation library and the lab library. And, you know, we've done a lot of work around that, you know, really... I don't want to start naming all the students because they've all done an amazing job and then that'll be bad if I like miss one person. And also everyone who knows me knows how bad I am at names. But our librarians have done an incredible job in getting us ready in terms of knowing what resources we had. So the practical thing is the biggest problem, isn't it? Because you can't get in. I don't know about other courses, but certainly Cardiff University, and many of the staff were on strike in the immediate run-up to COVID, although we didn't realise then at the time that's what it was. So we've had an incredibly disrupted term Um, The students have done an incredible amount of work. They've made progress wherever there was a break in the strike. Staff had crossovers with people and people have made progress. I can't say it's what I would like, because it it isn't. I mean, nobody would want a situation that we're in now, but we're in that situation. So what we've done to go forward with that is that we were in the phase towards the end of term. We, I think, are week nine. So we had two more teaching weeks. um, And so we've lost two. So we're kind of halfway through the second term. So all of the students have had all of their objects allocated for the whole of last term and half of this term. And most of them, I mean, I think all of them have made incredible progress making decisions. Um, We tried before the strike to sign off as many um, treatment proposals. So people did as much as they could. And what we are going to look to do for assessment is um, problematise to talk through what people would have done, what strategies, their decision making and that sort of thing. So for the first teaching session that we did online after the crisis, the lockdown, we did really focus on that decision-making process so that people could think about how to express because they're talking in abstract about what they would have done instead of talking about what they actually did. It's an incredible difficult time, isn't it? So one of the things we've been doing is just trying to have classes in the same times as the classes were, um, just to have that structure, just to, you know, be together when we'd expect to be together. Um, We've tried to make the classes quite challenging because, I don't know about anybody else. I think sometimes it's nice to have a break and not think about some of the bigger problems in the world. We have a wonderful alumni have club together and have set up a virtual mentoring scheme that has been led by Charlotte Lester, who has already set up a group of mentors and mentees. And we're hoping that they can twin together to do that. We're busy planning for the post Easter classes. We're going to look at tools, techniques and conservation, chemicals and potions, lotions and that sort of thing for the first three. And we are sourcing any kind of video, any kind of interactive material that we can that we can then talk around virtually. And, you know, no, it's not a great replacement, but it's what we can do. We One of the things that we did quite early on is we got what's called the program learning outcomes. So in order to deliver a degree, you have to commit to teaching various things. Um, and these are often called the learning outcomes. And the program learning outcomes are the ones for the whole degree, as opposed to maybe the module ones. So we did very quickly look at those and have a real think about which how we might deliver those in different ways. And that's been a bit of a, that's been the structure, I guess, by which we've put together the alternative teaching. It's What kind of support has been available for the staff? Well, we've got each other. Um, We might be doing the odd quiz night. I I think it's incredibly difficult. I don't think... We're very tactile people, aren't we, Conservatives? Um, We we like our spaces, we like our labs, we like our objects. And I think we all miss it very, very much. Um, we miss teaching. It's just funny. It's just all the daily things. You sort of see things on the telly and you think, oh, I could have done that if I could have gone to the lab or I could have made those things up, but I've got some thread at the lab or, you know, I could read this book, but it's in the office. So I think we all miss each other. The university has sent us lots of emails about well-being. I haven't had time to read them, but um, I've certainly had lots. And today is a day where we've been, you know, given a day off from email, which is why I've had time to record this, which is lovely to speak to you, albeit virtually. I hope that This is enough of um, a sort of a a rush through. Oh, yeah. The one other thing I wanted to mention was, and another thanks really, is that after the strike, we only had two days before the lockdown. And the first day, we didn't realise we were going to be locked out at that point. So we, we talked about, everyone talked about their objects, their practical work. But on the second day, we knew we were going to be locked out. And so many of the students came in. And they help make the lab safe for closed down, make sure all the objects were put away safely, any treatments were suspended in a safe way, all the objects were packed, the benches were cleared and you know it's just such a testament to the conservation community. I know that some of the, the students are worried that um, that they'll be less employable but honestly if you can get through a degree in this climate This year's graduates will be some of the most adaptable, some of the most resilient, and most employable people that you can imagine. And I really hope that that's recognised in the job market as this lot graduate through. So really, that's all I've got to say. Um, I'm looking forward to listening to The C Word because we all need to hear a happy voice from time to time.
0: well thanks so much for sharing with us guys that thank was really you great. thank you
1: really really interesting to listen to i i have to say
0: there are some really good points in there about that loads of the learning like the the more formal kind of classroom learning that that can that can be done as a kind of a long distance thing and i'm sure that there will be like you know people will really ready to make this work and um i'd be really curious to hear how students might be sharing resources and like kind of coming together like i love the like idea of like uh regular whatsapp calls and like um people just kind of having like almost online stu- study groups and stuff like that to like kind of get through this like i, I really like that like idea
1: Yeah, I think it's really... Well, an aspect of it that is nice is the fact that everyone is in the same boat. All the universities are in the same boat doing all the different types of projects. And there are going to be people out there who were in the middle of an experiment and now it's all a mess and it's a huge disaster. But because everyone understands, you know, funding is being extended. Like JSTOR, for example, access to publications is being made more public um, or more accessible to students, which is really good and people are thinking so much about digital elements and things that we can do and this has definitely made me think about like videoing myself working a bit more and having having that as a as something that i can share to people who have questions if they if they have questions in the future yeah. i think this
0: is this is a this is a kind of great opportunity for kind of conservatives everywhere to kind of contribute like video material and like because most of us like will have a smartphone or something that we can actually exactly. uh, do like a brief clip or a clip on like it doesn't have to be like a youtube documentary like, it doesn't have to be <laughs> you know like <laughs> exactly. ultra professional Like that's something to save for like another day like that that's fine but right now we can go through on like slightly more low quality stuff
1: yeah absolutely
0: like i was listening to um uh, our friends over at career in ruins the archaeology podcast and they were talking about this sort of kind of exact same problem in archaeological d- degree programs and stuff as well and how for a long time basically you know people have been saying that you know what we could do more of this like in a webinar format or we could record Mm. these yeah record these lectures and that will be really useful later down the line but like you know better late than never now is the time to <laughs> kind of figure this out uh, if we haven't already but yes yeah, so because in archaeology there are similar problems of so like well you you might not be able to do your field work for example or you're mm. not going to be able to go and do that finance processing right now and that sort of thing right so it's you know it's a similar kind of problem of what right, the practical side is kind of suspended for now but i guess a thing that i think about is If your experiment has gone up right now because you can't (laughs) get to your samples or you can't monitor something or whatever it is that you're doing, that is in and of itself an interesting thing to talk about, say, in a job interview or something. Uh, Absolutely. It's it's a really interesting thing to have as kind of half-completed thing in your portfolio to say, well, and then this happened. And really what I had to do was I had to completely rethink this and do this instead. Like that shows problem solving of like a whole Mm, different degree. And it's relatable because it happened to everyone. Like, I don't know a lot of conservators who haven't had to leave something in the lab, you know, like, oh, Mm. that was half Mm -hmm. finished. That's so annoying. I'm not going to be able to get back and get the right dye color again because the dyes (laughs) have gone off now. You know, there's been (laughs) a lot of frustration. Yeah. yeah, there's been a lot of frustration of that kind of nature of like, well, we've all had to kind of leave things in the middle of something. And sometimes that will be absolutely fine. It's easy to pick it back up. Or sometimes it's like, I'm going to have to start completely over again. But, you know, so it's so I think it's a really relatable thing to talk about um, that you can kind of bring up as uh, that well, this experiment was you know, three quarters of the way done. And unfortunately, that last bit there, I couldn't do this is what I decided to do instead. Like, actually, those things are are brilliant conversation starters. Yeah, don't try
1: and hide it. Don't try and kind of, you know, pretend that everything went fine, definitely. But also try to make the most of what you have achieved, because we know that the experimentation side of things is actually only a very tiny part of the work that's required when you're doing most things, isn't it? Um, and ask advice as well because there will be people who you know will be will have been prevented from doing something for a different reason
0: and came out
1: something else students out there I believe in you I just do Absolutely and I think I want to say as well that this is a strange kind of time to discuss studying at a distance from home as well because there will be all sorts of reasons in life that suddenly needing to study at distance becomes a thing and not all of those will have the emotional burden that we're under at the moment. so you know, though we can be really positive about the things that you can achieve and everyone's still providing everyone is trying to provide the support that they can you know give yourself a break stuff's scary right now it's completely fine if
0: you're too overwhelmed or or just can't right now like my mental health was i was an absolute wreck when i was a student so you know like god only knows how i would have felt under these circumstances so you yeah know, like, yeah
1: um you know it's tough
0: yeah, you do you do what you can and that's absolutely fine. But I think this is definitely something that you you can bring up in job interviews in the future and you can kind of bring them up and like that sort of thing. Cuz I've seen students um uh, basically Icon has opened a Discord server in, in the wake of all of this to kind of make people feel a bit more connected. A Discord okay. server is basically like a chat room. Uh, it's is, is the way that I think uh, think about it. It's like a chat room and where people can kind of come and exchange ideas and like ask questions and stuff. And like there have been students uh, coming on, for example, you know, uh, expressing that they're, they're really bummed out that they can't do the practical side um, of this anymore because like, yeah, it's fine that you can teach me about chemical bonds from home, but like... At the same time I can't be there and do these practical things that I needed to get in my portfolio. And like obviously that is a really, really tricky, tricky time. It is. But yeah, so that's gonna be something we're gonna have to try to solve. But at the same time, I think maybe now is the time to do weird stuff like windowsill experiments and like maybe do other bits that you can do, even if you can't get to your object. Sometimes that can be just research.
1: If you can. Um, yeah,
0: and take care of yourselves for goodness sake. That's that's the main thing. Today I fancied some armchair travel, so I picked up a book called Herculaneum and the House of the Bicentenary, History and Heritage. It's a 2020 Getty publication, written by archaeologist Sarah Court and conservator Leslie Rayner. Just for a bit of context, Herculaneum was a town in the Bay of Naples that was wiped out in the eruption of Vesuvius in 79 AD. The House of the Bicentenary is one of the most lavish private residences found in the town. Now that we'll cover that... Onto to the review. Now, as someone without much of an inherent interest in the Herculaneum itself, when it comes to Vesuvius-engulfed ancient towns, I'm afraid I'm more of a Pompeii girl, I found the introductory chapter a little dry. But I'm glad to say that that's the dusty bits done with, and the rest of the book is an absolute joy to read as an archaeology nerd. I kind of felt like I could stroll down the streets when I read the second chapter, and the immersive writing is accompanied by a visual feast of drawings and photos. It's a stunningly beautiful book all in all. The next chapters deal with Herculaneum post-eruption, how it became a forgotten tragedy, and how it was rediscovered. I really appreciate there's a bit of space in this book dedicated to pop culture references to the town um, and the disaster at Vesuvius. I just thought it was a nice touch, and it's an excellent excuse to include some really cheesy vintage poster art. With my conservation goggles on, I especially enjoyed reading about the excavation and restoration of the House of the Bicentenary in the 1930s. It's a glimpse into a very different era of heavy, inventive choices. But it's so, so interesting. Now that I'm slightly tired of saying House of the Bicentenary over and over again, I'd like to read out some of the amazing names of the other buildings in Herculaneum, just for a laugh and possibly for some context. Have a listen to these. House of the Black Salon. House of the Wooden Shrine, House of the Grand Portal, House of the Loom, House of the Carbonized Furniture, House of the Beautiful Courtyard, House of the Gem, House of the Stags, House of the Alcove, House of the Wooden Screen, House of the Inn, and my personal favourite, House of the Skeleton. Now, there are over fifty named locations on this map that I'm looking at, so I'm not going to go through more than that, but... You know, actually, I suppose the bicentenary isn't too bad. Okay, okay, back to the review. The mix of great photos and archaeological plans really help the reader get a feel for the place. You can easily imagine walking down the streets and peering into the ruins. I kind of imagine it's a sunny day, just warm enough to let you walk around in a t-shirt, at a socially acceptable distance if Italy wasn't in lockdown, and it's a tad muggy. Inexplicably, the walls of the buildings cling to a little cool, giving the houses a feeling of being air-conditioned despite the gaping holes in the walls and the crumbling plasterwork. You step over the cart tracks worn into the paving slabs as you dart across the street to examine a pretty mosaic on a column. Nice, isn't it? Right, okay, this is a review, sorry. Chapter 6 is a bit like a beautiful real estate listing for the house of the bicentenary, and this is where we finally get to meet the building its architectural quirks, its history, and its rose garden. Chapter 7 is one for the wall painting and or mosaic enthusiasts amongst you. My favourite takeaway from this section was about volcanic heat and colour conversion. Super cool stuff. The conservation porn kicks off in earnest in Chapter 8. Herculaneum is a site that's best described as an archaeological park in an urban landscape or an open-air museum. And this brings a multitude of challenges. This is definitely a read with appeal to those of you who care for structures, monuments and sites, which often includes wall paintings and mosaics, but there are unexpected nuggets in this chapter, like how do you deal with completely carbonized wood that must remain in situ, for example. The final chapter ties together the past with the present and the future, and rounds off the book nicely. All in all, this is a book on site management and history, with cameos of conservation work in it. But it's a vivid and deeply interesting read and I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would to be honest. It's visual yet rich in content and I'd recommend it to anyone with even a pinch of interest in Herculaneum or open air heritage sites for that matter. Hope you enjoyed this whistle-stop tour and book review. This book has 160 pages, full colour illustrations throughout and costs about £25 on Amazon. As usual, we will pop a link to that in the show notes.
3: Jane. I'm a conservator for a local organisation. During COVID-19 lockdown, my workload has actually expanded because a lot of staff believe that I'm not benchworking, so are sending me their hobby conservation repair questions of theirs or for a friend by sending photos and asking for some quick and basic rules. I'm always open to advising and sharing knowledge. However, I'm struggling to get staff to understand that conservation is not a quick remedy. How can I draw a clear boundary but still provide a good collaborative relationship with my team members? Dear Hobby Horse, Well, thanks for your inquiry. Um, it's, um, It's a new world and we're asking a whole bunch of new questions. Like you, I'm also far busier than I was before. So perhaps this is the sign that I'm the ultimate pen pusher because I've been doing a lot of that. But back to the old question, which is about um, conservation repair questions. I find this really an interesting question because the worry is that they're saying, well, what glue should I stick it with? And you're going, oh my God, don't use glue. Or, you know, don't use that glue because you're going to stick it to your fingers or it'll be reversible. But actually, I think what we're frustrated about when people think our job is just how to glue something back together is I think what we're frustrated with is people don't understand the bigger picture. So I'm going to give you an example of where I had exactly that kind of inquiry, which is about my mum, who I had to visit recently, unfortunately, because she was unwell. I mean, not it was unfortunate to visit, but unfortunately, she was unwell. And she was talking to me about a pair of chairs that her mum had reupholstered, so very important to her. And she has them in the window. And she asked me, you know, how best I could serve them. And they're uh, a beautiful um, stained wood and uh, the the embroidery is by her mum's. And um, and clearly they shouldn't sit in the window. But instead of saying, move it out the window, I said to my mum, what makes those chairs important to you? And she talked a little bit about the embroidery. But then what she said was, when her friends come to visit... They often pick those chairs because they're the higher ones and some of her friends can't sit in a a sofa. And they're incredibly important in those locations because that's where people want to sit, sort of next to the window and looking across where my mum likes to sit. That, to me, is what we should be doing. Establish the value, do the significance assessment with your friends and colleagues. Find out why they're important. Because when we talked about that, I explained to my mum that where they sat near the window would lead to them fading. And we talked a little bit about where she could leave the curtain if she didn't want them to fade. But when we talked about moving the chairs, it didn't work because what's important about those chairs is that her friends who can't get onto a lower seat can sit on them and sit comfortably and come to visit. Now, at the moment, obviously, my mum can't have any friends around. But I think, you know, we still like to have those signs and those reminders about us of our connections and our friends and our place in the world. So I hope that that kind of story might give you some inspiration for your projects. If we want to get people to understand that conservation is not a quick remedy, instead of getting drawn straight into their question of what glue or what lux or whatever, ask them the questions that we would ask of any object. What is this? Why is it important? What do we want to do with it? How have people enjoyed it in the past? How might people enjoy it in the future? Where's the use? Where's the value? And we all have learned that value is not about money, that value is about meaning and friendship and families and connections and knowledge and sharing and sometimes about peace and quiet it and getting away that's probably the thing we'll be valuing the most. but you know those are the questions that I think that make conservation way more than being a technician. so I hope that that you can use them to be a good collaborative member with your teams. And, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with giving people advice on how to clean their own things. If you can help them clean them more carefully, you know, then that's great. You know, stop people from pouring nail varnish remover onto half of the world and stop people from using strong glue when they shouldn't be. That's okay too. You know, people's things, they are allowed to fix them any which way they like. And if we can help them do better, then that's great. Maybe show them how to make a sand tray if it's a broken ceramic many people will be sitting in the house with very little to do. Um, Obviously, neither of us, but they might welcome the the kind of quiet patience that conservation takes. So I don't know if that's a help, hobby horse. Um, Who knows what helps at the moment? But it was really nice to speak to you virtually through the Word podcast, and I'm hoping that the Word is at least a help to us all. Over and out.
0: If you're enjoying The C-Word and would like to support our work, then please consider becoming one of our patrons. For as little as $1 per month, you can help us keep our episodes online and more of them coming. Patreon helps us meet our regular costs for the show, and also to plan ahead so we know roughly how much of a monthly budget we've got. That's super helpful when you're trying to do something special like buy a better microphone or save up to go to a special event. Your support also helps keep us free of advertisements. In return, our supporters get access to our archive of extended episodes, which you can only access on our Patreon page. Yeah, for that $1 a month, you get a little extra audio enjoyment. We've crushed the numbers, and it's about 10% extra content on a regular basis. Well, it's not bad for less than a cup of coffee, eh? If supporting us sounds like something you'd like to do, then head over to patreon.com slash the C word and join our bunch of absolute champions. Thanks for listening with The Sea and you've been listening to Chloe Ramsey and me, Jenna Mathiason. Join us next time for an episode about integrated pest management. In the meantime, check out our website at theseaword.show, tweet us at the podcast, or simply email us on theseawardpodcast at gmail.com. The intro and outro music is Spring by Didi Music used under Creative Commons attribution license. Additional music and sound effects by Callum Robertson. Artwork by Jenny Mathiason. This has been a Wooden Dice production.
1: Initially I was researching this...
3: (laughs) Initially I was researching this... I'll try again.